Someone who's had a seminal mission is admitted to recite the Shema. Anyone who is Tame may read from the Torah and recite the Shema and Davin. Except for someone who has had a seminal emission, that Ezra removed from the general category of those who are Tame, and prohibited the person from reciting words of Torah or the Shema or Davening until he goes to Mikvah in order that Tamid Chacham should not be found with their wives like roosters. And afterwards, they annulled that decree and they instituted the matter according to the strict law. Even a Balkari, someone who had a seminal mission, is permitted to recite words of Torah and the Shema and to Daven without going to the mikveh and without washing themselves with nine kav. And that has become the general custom. Says the Ramah, Some wrote that a woman during her Nida time, during the time that she sees, should not go to Shul, or Davin, or or to mention Hashem's name, or to touch a Sefer. And some say that she is permitted in all of these, and that is the law. But the Minig in these regions is like the first opinion. However, during the seven clean days, uh, they're accustomed to permit. Even in a place that the custom was to be stricter. On high holidays and the like, when everybody gathers and goes to Shul, she's allowed to go to Shul like all other women, because that would cause great sadness. Everybody else is gathering and they have to stand outside. Hilchas Tefillah, Laws of Davening. Simon Peitas, Hilchas Tefillah, Zmano, Voichas, Ifn, the Laws of Tefillah, and it's time. Allah, Zman Tefillah, Shachar, the time of Davening in the morning of Shemayin Esrei, Mitzvah, Shashkel, Mahanit, Tachama, the mitzvah begins at sunrise. Kedachziv, Yira Ucha, Im Shamesh, as it says, and you shall be seen with the sun. And if on David, from dawn, once the eastern uh, horizon had lit up, one has fulfilled one's obligation. And the time for Shemana Esrei of Shachris continues until the end of the fourth hour, which is a third of the day. If one erred or, da- or missed the time and davened after four hours until noon, even though he doesn't have the reward for davening on time, he still has the reward for davening. And after noon, it is forbidden to daven shachris. Once the time of davening has arrived, it's forbidden for a person to go to his friend's house to greet him. Because the name of God is Shalom. You can't say good morning. And even this is not permissible. Only in when you really do need to go to take care of some business. But if you're just going to greet him before davening, even that would be forbidden in that language. Also, don't bow down to him when you pass his house early. Some say you can't bow down to him even if he's not coming to his house early. But if he'd begun his day already by reciting brachas, afterwards he needn't be so worried. Uh, but if you're not going to greet him at his house, you just bumped into him on, on the way, then you can greet him. Some say, even if you find your friend in the marketplace, you should still only say good morning. 
in order to take it to heart that it's forbidden to get stalled with other matters until you go and daven. It's forbidden to get involved in business. Says lenient. Once you've said some of the brachas, even before you've recited Baruch but it's better to be strict in this. Continues the Shulchan and not to eat or drink. But one may drink water before davening, whether during the week or Shabbos and mutter. Also, food and drink for medicinal purposes is permissible. One who is very hungry or very thirsty are included in those who are ill. If he has the ability to concentrate on his davening before he's eaten, then he may daven. If not, if he wants, he shouldn't daven until he's eaten and had to drink. Hey, If he began eating before dawn, he should pause and go daven. And some say, no, he needn't pause his meal, he can complete it, and then daven. It is even forbidden to learn Torah once the time of davening has come. Mean to say one who regularly davens in his base medrash, and is not accustomed to go to shul. Because we're concerned, maybe he'll get so occupied in his learning, and the time of Shema and Shemana Esther will pass. But someone who is accustomed to go to shul, it's permissible. If he's teaching others, film even if he's not accustomed to go to shul, it's permitted because that time of teaching will pass. Because the merit of the multitude is a great matter. And if they don't learn now, they will negate their learning. And they will be unable to learn otherwise. It's permissible to take a haircut and to go to the bathhouse close to the morning. Because our sages only decreed that one should not do these, engage in these matters close to the time for late afternoon, uh, when one might miss mincha, because that's more common that you uh, would be engaging in that. So the decree didn't exist for the morning time. Ches. In an urgent situation, when you have to get up, for example, early to go on a journey, one may daven from dawn, and wait to read the Shema until its time comes. If he is able to read the Shema on the way. Mean to say that he'll have the ability to focus on the first possible commission to Barlil's Continues the Machaba, even though you're not juxtaposing the Gali Israel to the Shemana Esrei. Here it's better that he davens the Shemana Esrei in his house standing, rather than daven at the right time, but he's walking, and then be able to put the Gaula next to the Tefillah. Where is it right to daven? and to daven with a minion, and the law of one who is going on a journey, one who is davening shouldn't stand on a bed, not on a chair, and on a couch, says the Gimel. even if it's not higher than three Tfachim, one should nevertheless be standing on the ground. Continues the Mechavah, and not on a high place, unless he was elderly or ill, or if his intention was in order to allow the congregation to be able to hear him. 
When we stay at a high place, we're talking about three tefachim, three handbreadths. If it was three handbreadths high and it had an area of four by four amas, it's like an attic, and then it's permitted to daven there. Also, if it was surrounded by walls, even though it, does, it doesn't have an area of four by four amas, because it's not clear that you're davening on a pedestal because it's clearly a separate domain. Gimel. Workers who are doing their work, their activity for the owner, they may daven at the top of an olive tree and the top of a fig tree, and they needn't be concerned that they are transgressing the injunction not to stand on a high place to daven. Since they went up to do their malacha, their work, it's like someone who went up to an attic. But for all other trees, they do need to descend. The reason that an olive tree is different to other trees because it has many more branches than other trees. And it's quite the effort to go up and go down. And that will take time and they will negate their time off work. Therefore, as I just said, that rather they should stay there and have But all other trees where there is no major disturbance to their work time, they should descend the Valabais and the owner film Rosh's eyes even if he if he's standing at the top of the tree, the olive tree or the uh, fig tree, he needs to go down to Davin to Ha because he is not subservient to the work, he works for himself. And while our sages were lenient for workers because they might negate their work time, they were not lenient for the owner. One should open the doorways or the windows in the direction of Jerusalem in order to daven towards it. And ideally, a shul should have 12 windows. A person shouldn't daven in an open space like a field. Because when you're in a modest place, the awe of the king falls upon him and his heart is broken. Vav you shouldn't be in a an area of that's destroyed. because there's suspicion there. and because it's dangerous. and it's also spiritually dangerous. Zayin. shouldn't dive behind a shul. unless he turns his face towards the shul. What is the definition of behind a shul? Who had such a pesach It's the side where the opening is open towards. and it's opposite the side where the congregation faces when they're davening. Some uh, explain this the other way around. And one should be concerned for both of their words. And so also, when you're davening on all other sides outside the shul, you need to be strict and make sure that you're you're facing the shul. And all this would be in the case where it's clear that the person's davening with their back to the shul. But if it's davening in a house that's close to the shul, and he is facing Israel, as he should be, and his back is to the wall of his house, that's also the wall of the shul, that's okay. Because it's not then clear that he is that he has his back towards the shul. It's forbidden to pass by a shul 
by the entrance that's open to where the congregation is davening, because he looks like a heretic. Because he is not going in to daven with them. And if he is carrying a burden, or he's wearing twillin, or there's another shul in town, or even if this shul has another entrance, or says the Ramah, or he's riding on an animal, says the Shulchan Motar, it's permissible. Tess. A person must strive to daven in shul with the congregation. If he's forced that he can't come to shul, he should at least have in mind to daven at the time that the congregation is davening. Similarly, uh, people who live in villages, they don't have a minimum. Nevertheless, they should daven shachris and mariv at the time that the congregation in the city is davening. Continues the Also, if he was forced and he didn't daven at the time that the minion daven, he's davening alone. Nevertheless, he should daven in shul. Yud. When he's standing with the congregation, it's forbidden to go ahead of the congregation, unless the time is running and the congregation are not davening, because they're dragging out the introductory poetry, the piyotim, or for some other reason, and he wants to make sure he davens at the right time. But if the time is not passing, then he should be davening these piyotim and other prayers with the congregation, not separate from the congregation, even to engage in Torah learning. Someone who has a shul in his town, doesn't go there to daven, is called a bad neighbor, and he causes golos, exile for him and his children. Yud base. It's a mitzvah to run when you're going to shul, and also, Similarly, for any other mitzvah matter, I feel Shabbos, even on Shabbos, also the when it's otherwise forbidden to take wide steps. But when you're leaving shul, it's forbidden to run. It's permissible to spit in a shul, and then tread on it with your heel, or cover it with uh, rubber. A person should get up early for shul, in order to be counted with the first ten. If a person remained alone, davening in a shul that was out in the field, or even in a shul that was in the city, if it's Mariv, they're davening at night time, so his friend needs to wait for him, the second last person should wait until he completes his davening, in order that he shouldn't get mixed up in his davening because of his fear of being left alone. Some are strict even during the day of and even with our shuls that are in town. If he is dragging out, lengthening his davening with requests and prayers, you don't have to wait for him. Design. One who's on a journey, and he reaches a city and wants to stay overnight there. If uh, in front of him, within four mil, there is a place that they're davening with a minion. He needs to go there. And how far back does he need to go to find a minion? He needs to return up to one mil in order to daven with a minion.
Some say that how much more so one shouldn't get up early and leave a city where there is a minion davening. If he can still reach his desired place while the day is still yet long. And that he won't need to go by himself after davening. A fixed base medrash where they learn Torah is holier than a shulam. And it's better to daven in a shiva or kolal more than in a shul. As long as you're davening with a minion. Some say even without a minion, it's better to daven in a base medrash that's fixed for him. And that's only true of someone who learns Torah full-time and wouldn't otherwise be negating Torah learning. And even so, he shouldn't accustom himself to always daven base medrash, so that ignorant people don't learn from him, and they won't go to shul. And how much more so that he shouldn't be occupied in Torah and shul during the time that the congregation are reciting selichas and other prayers. Yutes. A person should fix a place for his davening. That he shouldn't change it unless it's necessary. It's not only sufficient to find one shul to daven in, but also in the shul that he is fixed in, he needs to find a fixed place. One should enter into the shul the amount of two doorways and afterwards daven. Some explain that the meaning of the amount of two doorways is eight tfachim, eight handbells. I mean to say, don't sit by the doorway, rather go right into the shul. Because if you're sitting at the back of the shul by the door, it seems like sitting in shul is a burden for you. And so, if you happen to have your fixed place that was towards the back of the shul by the door, then there wouldn't be a concern. Others explain that the reason one needs to enter into the shul is we're concerned that you might look towards outside and not be able to focus. If that's the case, as long as it's not open to the public thoroughfare, then it doesn't matter if you're towards the back of the shul. Others explain that the reason that you need to go into the shul is so that you don't go run straight into the davening as soon as you enter. But you need to be able to wait the amount of time that it would take to walk through two doorways. And ideally, one should be concerned for all of the reasons, all of the explanations. One needs to take care that there is nothing separating the person and the wall. But something that is fixed in the shul, like the ark or the bima, they don't, they're not considered separators. It says a chatzitza, a separation, is only something that is very large, that it's ten tfachim high and four tfachim wide. But something small is not considered an interruption. Also, animals are not a separation. Also, a person is not a separation, says Ramah. I think that animals do cause a separation, but people do not. And this seems to be the opinion of the postkim. And maybe this was an error, a typo. Some say that one should avoid davening behind any other person. And one ideally should be concerned for his words. Chav Gimel. Have the Godim Hamad Siyarim. Afal Pishain on Beltos, a Nochenless Palakanegdom. Cloths with pictures on them, in other words, like paintings. Even if the pictures are not coming, protruding from the cloth, 
one shouldn't daven in front of them. If it happened that you were davening in front of a um, painting or a wall that had a picture on it, then you should conceal your eyes and not look at it. Therefore, it's also forbidden to draw pictures in Sidurim. In order that your kavana shouldn't be negated. But paintings that have pictures of the words of the tefillah, even to sit upon them in a shul is forbidden. One shouldn't have next to one's teacher, nor behind one's teacher, nor in front of one's teacher. Some say that this is only if one is davening alone. But if you're davening with a minion and that's how everyone's sitting, one needn't be concerned about davening in front of him or behind him. Even though it's better to be strict, the minhag is to be lenient. If you are at a distance of four amas from him, it's permissible. If one is Talmud Chacham, who is also a student of his Rebbe, he's allowed to daven behind his Rebbe. Any place that you don't read the Shema in Mispalim Boy, you shouldn't daven there either. The same way that we have to distance ourselves from uh, feces and urine and bad smells for the purposes of Shema, and from a dead body, and from seeing um, nakedness, the Kriya Shema, for the recitation of the Shema, one also needs to distance oneself for the Shema Nesrei. If you're in the middle of davening and a child urinated in the Shield Yishtok, you should be quiet. Until they bring some water to pour over the urine. Or he should go ahead of it for Amos or to the side. Or he should leave the shul and complete his davening. And it's better to go to another place and not to simply be quiet. Because maybe he would end up waiting the amount of time it would take to complete the entire davening. He'll have to start all over again. One should gird one's loins and cover one's head at the time of davening. If his talus was belted on his waist to cover him from his waist and below. It's forbidden to daven until he covers his heart. And if he didn't cover his heart, or he was forced, and he doesn't have anything to cover it with, since at least he's covered his nakedness below uh, to daven, he has fulfilled his obligation base. One needs to wear a belt when one's davening. Even if you have pants uh, that are tight so that your uh, area below does not, uh, that your heart does not see the area below, because of the obligation to prepare to daven. But all other brachas one can make without a belt, since he has pants. And therefore his heart does not see his nakedness. Some say that it's forbidden to mention Hashem's name with an uncovered head. And some say that we should protest uh, against walking into shul without a head covering. Dalit. Hats that are made of straw is considered a head covering. But simply placing your hand on your head is not considered a covering. But if someone else places their hand on your head, 
kisoi. So it would seem that that would be considered an adequate covering. Hey, lo yamod bafun dasoi. One shouldn't stand with his money belt for Magula and not with a bare head and not with uncovered legs. If the way of that place is that people don't stand in front of great people uh, unless they're wearing full trousers. The way of the wise and their students is not to daven unless they are cloaked. And at a time of, at a stormy time, one should put one's hands together during davening like a servant before his master. One should adorn oneself with nice clothes to daven. One who needs to relieve himself for dinner, and washing yourself for davening, and all other preparations for davening, avoid yudzifim. If you needed to relieve yourself, don't daven. And if you daven, his tefillah is an abomination. So you need to daven again. And that's only true if you couldn't have held yourself the amount that it takes to walk a parasa. But if you can hold yourself for that amount of time, you have um, post facto fulfilled your obligation. But in the first instance, one should not daven until you've checked yourself properly first. Anyone who needs to relieve themselves is forbidden even to learn Torah. As long as his body is uh, has the disgrace of his need to relieve himself. If in the middle of his davening he suddenly felt the urge to go, he should hold himself until he completes his davening and he shouldn't interrupt. If during the time of reciting the Shema or its brachas, he suddenly had the urge to go um, for any type of relief, he nevertheless should continue reading the Shema as usual. And that's only true if he's not... Uh, he doesn't have the urge to the extent that it would make his davening disgusting. Because if that's not the case, then he it would be better to make an interruption. Continues If he wants to distance himself and to urinate, so he should do. Before davening, you have to remove any phlegm and spit from your mouth and anything else that would um, preoccupy you, uh, disturb you from your davening. You need to wash your hands with water if you have. If you don't have you need to go as far as a parasa looking for water. This is true if he's going on a journey by mine and and there's water before him. But if he needs to go back to find water, so he only has to go up to the amount of one mil, more than a mil he doesn't have to go. If he's concerned that the time of davening will pass, he should clean his hands with some pebbles or dirt, or with anything else that cleans. If he washed Negevas in the morning and then his mind went to other matters. He needs to wash his hands again to daven. If he has water. Even if he is not aware that they have become dirty at all, you don't make another bracha. If he has no water readily available, he doesn't have to wash again. Even if his hands were dirty and he's washing them to daven, you don't make another bracha. If you're in the middle of davening and you realize, you remember that you touched a dirty area, it's sufficient to wipe your hands with 
earth or pebbles, and or even to wipe your hand against the wall. Zion, a dirty area. That refers to areas that are, that are normally covered on a person, normally clothed. Because they are full of sweat. Also, if you stroked your head. Therefore, it's forbidden to touch these areas when you're in the middle of davening or learning Torah. Also, it's forbidden to touch uh, the waste that comes from the ear or the nose uh, without using some sort of cloth.